Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome along to the Rugby Pod, brought to you as usual by our good friends at Guinness. We've got loads more live shows coming your way this season, and there's still a few tickets left for the show at Flatiron Square in London on Thursday, the 26th of September. So just check out eventbrite.co.uk if you fancy coming along. Massive thanks to Guinness for their support on that. I'm Andy Ryan. I'm joined by Big Jim and Gertie as usual. We've just stepped off the plane from Miami. How's your week been, guys? How are you feeling? I was working hard, wasn't we? Mate, grafting, mate. Gra- what, what, what have you had? Bit of coaching. Why? What, what do you know? What? I don't know anything. That's what, what I'm who, asking. Who? Where? What? What did you do? <laughs> All I know is I got on the plane. Now going away with Andrew Good, it's a, it's a great it's a great thing. You're welcome. I ain't turning right. I turned left. What does that even mean? And kept going. Basically, you walk to the nose tip of the plane. You plot your bag. Someone comes over. They whiffed over a sheet over you and say whatever you want. What happens under the sheet? Well, whatever you want, oh, mate. Right, okay. I'll tell you what, after the food that I had, a lot of farting, that's all I know. <laughs> Fine wine and steak on a on a British Airways, who, by the way, cut our holiday short. Sorry, cut our work short by a day because the, the buggers have gone on strike because they ain't getting paid enough. All I know is I've turned left, I'm in first class, and I am absolutely loving life. Thank you, Andrew. You're welcome, James. Is it first class or business? First class. No, it's first class. It mate. was first class. It Actually, was it yeah. was first class, as in I was gonna bang a load of pictures on Instagram, but <laughs> work um sorry holiday uh work work holiday i don't even know which one it was i just didn't want to put it up there and so so what'd you get up to no 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 mate <laughs> we told you it's all work mate did all some work. coaching some of those kids have never played rugby before age yeah conferences you know all Talk that all that, MLR. Work, all that work stuff mate just work it was just work 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 and work it just it was completely work no play should we move on you got up must have got up to something yeah nah, nah, i watched nah. a bit of ruggers yeah a bit mate <laughs> What, what games did you watch when you were over there? Uh, England played Spain or something, didn't they? I, don't, mate. I watched a bit of rugby, Andy Rowe, lying in my bed with the lights turned off in the biggest beer fear. I don't know why I didn't even drink beer. Didn't even drink. Well, I just didn't drink when I was there, but I was in a beer fear mood. Lights off. And I watched the Scotland-Georgia, the big game of the weekend, mate. Was it? Huge game. Yeah, it was big, mate. Yeah. What happened there? Because wasn't there a, a, something, I some mean, sort of mistake at the start of the game? Scotland, 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 Scotland. Respect your opponent. Know your opponent. Don't play the national anthem from two decades ago. The Georgian players, those poor souls, they're expecting to belt out their national anthem. They're a proud bunch, aren't they? They didn't even sing. And they didn't sing and everyone's like, oh, why aren't they singing? That's what they get. That's what they get for slowing down Oh Flower of Scotland the week before. They, we got them back. And I was watching it and I was like, I love watching the anthems. I tweet about it a lot. I like seeing the passion in the build-up. I thought, the fucking Georgians hate their anthem. They ain't singing. A lot of the footballers... And then as time goes by, social media starts opening up. It was the wrong one. (laughs) (laughs) I don't worry though. They played it as they walked in to the aftermatch function having had 40 points put on them. (laughs) Did they really? (laughs) Yeah. To make up for it. As they walked in to have a dram, which is a whiskey, uh, and a bit of Timberland boot steak. Why are you putting on a Scottish voice? Scottish, mate. Georgia um, weren't far off them though, were they? I think after 50 minutes, it was 10, 9, something like that, nearly. They looked a lot better, which is surprising, really. Maybe Graham Roundtree, Wigsville. I think week. I think Wigsville uh, made them all listen to the pod and talked about, you know, th- this is what you aspire to be. You talked about Moreland with, what, what, did you, what was your expression? Hit it with your tits. Hit it with your tits, mate. Hit it with <laughs> your tits. But they're a lot better, uh, Georgia were, to be fair. Uh, Scotland, few handling errors again. Not amazing, to be honest with you. Scoreline probably flattered them. Uh, Georgia looks a lot better defensively. Uh, scrum was good. I think Roman Pot was the ref. Simbin a couple of the props at Scrum. So that was a bit of a, a debacle. But no, look, again, I am going to, without, you know, labouring the sheep's tongue. It's um, Labouring the sheep's tongue? It has been abysmal, the standard of rugby that we've seen. And I've worked it out. No one wants to show the cards. No one wants to show people what they're going to do in Japan. So we've just been watching basically... A bit of side to side, the odd kick, like the odd bit of scrums, straight up, straight down on the line out. There's nothing. We ain't seen anything at all. I couldn't even tell you the game plan of any of the teams that I've watched. Well, you can. England, give it to our big power boys and then tackle that. Yeah. He's right though. You look at every game. The Ireland Wales game at the weekend wasn't a great spectacle. Uh, England were 9-0 up at half time against Italy and it was a bit of a slogathon. Well, Ireland are number one in the world. Right now, it wasn't looking like that a couple of weeks ago, was it? Well, we pulled their pants down, didn't we? I don't get it. Like Goody said, 
it's not been a great testicle. <laughs> Get it? Spectacle, testicle. Okay. No, yeah. anyway. Um, <laughs> but hey, there was a bit of drama in that game after, weren't there? Patchell. He looks like he might be buggered. That's the news. Really? From the game. Concussion. Third one, is it? In, in Yeah, he's had quite a few. Th- third big concussion. So there's talk of him not going. Uh, Gatlin's comments after the game as well. Weird comments they were. Just saying, oh, they just played off nine. Well, you find ways to win. You find ways to play. And obviously, Ireland got absolutely bullied a few weeks back by England. And they went back to what we've seen them beat the All Blacks with. Playing off nine a lot. You lost. Take your medicine. It, you know, it's not a big issue that you've lost to Ireland in a in a warm up game in Dublin. You're off to the World Cup now, but to make it quite, I, th- I found that a very strange comment. I think he's playing mind games a little bit. He knows that Ireland is struggling a little bit, even though they are hashtag world number one, which I find extremely bizarre. Still not been able to work out the permutations. What a word that is! How good does that word sound? You sound more and more intelligent every time I see you. James. I'm, I'm working on these things. Mm. I'm working on these things. Um, I I think Ireland look woeful. I'll be honest. I've said it again, even though they won at the weekend. They didn't look great at all. The so game, call it now then. So call it now. Yeah. Ireland, Scotland or so, Scotland, Ireland in the group. Scotland going to beat Ireland. First game. Up. No chance. Okay. I, Absolutely I, zero chance. I've seen enough of Scotland in terms of some of the tries that they've scored and the form of their star players being Finn. Every time Finn's played, he looks he's looked brilliant. Hoggy looks raring to go and fit. I think the centres that Scotland have got now look look brilliant. McAnally at hooker uh, compared to Rory Best, and I hate saying it. Rory Best, I've been a massive fan of him for years, but he's really copying it on social media, isn't he? With his for his throws. It, Again, we talked we talked about this last week, and Jim knows more than most about lineouts. Cheers, mate. I like your hair. Thank you. It's grown back very nicely, hasn't it? it when, I, when it was wet, it didn't look great. <laughs> I'll be honest. It was very patchy. Is that a normal thing when you hair? No, no, no. Uh, just bend forward again. Let me see. Yeah. You, you, go, you said you need it, don't you? Yeah, I do, mate. Um, but yeah, you know, your main line-out operator, let's go back to it. We talked about it a lot last week. Devon Toner. He's been their main line-out operator for the last three, four, five years. Has he not? Yeah, I mean, hey, when we're away, how weird is this? So we don't really talk much about ruggers outside. Goody's in the pool. Okay, uh, this was on the off, like the off hour that we had. I mean, it was that we were just back to the wall the busy, whole time. Busy, busy, yeah. Literally went in the water, t-shirt on, in the water, sunburn. Well, that's a lie. Sunburn sinks all the way down to his neck, then takes the t-shirt off, leaves the t-shirt on the side, just, and he sat just lies. There. I've got my phone ready to go. He sat there waiting until I needed to go to the toilet until he got himself out. And while he was underwater. How wrinkled must have you been after? <laughs> after he's got, while he's in the water, we're talking all out ruggers. And we started talking about Ireland and their line outs and stuff like that. But their line outs are better at the weekend. They were. But if you, we go back to Scotland, Ireland first up, I just think Scotland looked better. You play Georgia back to back. Mate, you can only, yeah, you can only, you can only play what's in front of you, Andrew. Yeah, no, I understand. And the points you make there are, are pretty relevant about Scotland in terms of Finn Russell and, and Hoggy's looking good and McAnally and. Etc. Etc. And also, but, and also their their team. Like I, I could sit here and probably name you their team. Ireland, we still don't know. Sexton, did he have a dead leg? I saw he had ice on his leg or whatever. Whatever is he going in fully fit into this World Cup? I don't think he is. I'll say it again. I don't think he's going in fully fit. So you know, apart from guys like Bundyaki, when was tell, that? T- tell me in that Ireland team who is literally going in on form. Stander, he's he's copped a bit of flack. He's not going into the tournament on form. They're going in with a little bit of controversy with Klein. Obviously, they've left, left Big Dev at home. I just don't think, even though they're going in as as number one in the world rankings, Ireland are in a comfortable position. Unfortunately, and again, I want to be proven wrong because I love Ireland. Bottom line is they've won three out of their four warm-up games and people are bagging them. So Why are you bagging them? I, think I, I haven't bagged them. We, we bullied them. England bullied them. And, and again, we did that to them. That was you know They weren't anywhere near ready for a World Cup in comparison to where England were on that game. But well, my question, when was the last time Scotland beat Ireland? Oh, yeah. So there's that mental factor as well in it. I just think again, who knows? Like we're talking about who's going to win the World Cup. Again, Ireland might not have Smith might have said to them, "Meow, don't show the, don't show anything. Literally, just go out there, meow, 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 and we'll meow, just meow, play, meow. and we'll just play a bit of ruggers and just see how we go." So let's put ourselves under pressure. You know what I mean? It could be this grand plan, like we said about Eddie Jones in the leader, not picking Cipriani. You know, he, he might pick Ford at the World Cup, and Ford might be the, the, the best player in the World Cup. I don't think we've learned anything at all in these warm-up games, hence why no one can predict who's yeah. going to win it. True. Goody, what did you make of the game back in your hometown? Oh. Well, my hometown's Coventry, to be honest. So it wasn't quite there, but I did, you know, I did play up at Newcastle for three months, uh, four months, actually. 
don't want to talk about it, but I think I saved them from relegation. You've never I've, mentioned that. I don't think I've ever mentioned that, have I? Uh, but, you know, in reality, I actually did a column for Rugby Pass back end of last week. Um, it, it was a game too far for England in terms of... And I think a lot of the games, four warm-up games, is too much. And then you see in England selection, you've got Marchant at 13. He's not going to the World Cup. Two guys on the bench that weren't going. And... Yeah, Billy's, everyone was talking about Billy backing up four games on the spin. Farrell playing his first game at 10. And the first half was a bit of a turgid affair, really, wasn't it? Italy fronted up. And then, yeah, interestingly, he makes those changes on 32 minutes, the two props. Yeah, was that something tactical? Was that something that he's seen spur of the moment? And, you know, he, he needs some power in Genge and Sinclair. And they both came on and added impact. And, you know, when we get on the front foot, Jim mentioned it earlier about George Ford. When England get on the front foot, and we've got our power game going. We're winning quality line-out ball, scrums on the front foot against the lesser nations. And I'm not being disrespectful to Italy there, but Italy aren't in with a chance of winning the World Cup. George Ford is a wonderful player at 10. And they moved Farrell to 12. And you know, people talked about the time of his pass to Watson for the try. If you watch, if you actually watch the detail of it, Farrell's nearly going backwards. The line that Sinclair and I think it was Genge, I think it was Genge that actually took that's, out. Mate, that's blocking. Yeah, it's out-and-out out blocking. But they got away with it, so it's fine. People talk about the time the pass was perfect. I, he was running backwards. Farrell doesn't take the ball to the line anywhere near as well as George Ford does. But like Jim said, who knows what's going to happen? The bottom line is we've got our first two games against Tonga, who they're going to be ready to rip people's heads off after taking 92 points against yeah, Who takes the 90? Who even takes 90? Um, and then the USA <laughs> four days later. Uh, and then it's our big two games. you know, And you can look at every group. And they'll just be pinpointing the massive games. And, you know, Mark Wilson was pretty good. He was good. In his hometown. 27 tackles or something. Yeah, carried well. We haven't seen any of him until this game. So it was great to see him. He did a Jimbo pass. Did you see it? Down the wing, sprinting down the wing. Throws the ball to Johnny May's boots. And book book! He didn't want to take it. So, um, so yeah, I mean, it, our second half was a lot better. They, You know, I think Eddie Jones said it. They... He was pleased how they solved some problems on the field and um, that was all about getting over the game line, getting their offloading game going. Sinclair again put a lovely little ball uh, at the line, little Good tip hands, on. Good yeah. hands. Um, England will be satisfied of where they're at and they always talk about we can, we've can we got more to come from us and I think Farrell says that after every game, doesn't he? <laughs> There's more to come from us. Um, I know Eddie's always said, judge me on the World Cup, but if you were to give him a, a, a rating now, heading into the World Cup, after the four years he's been in charge, do you think he's done better than what you expected, or what would you? Yeah, how would you sort of sum up how he how he's gone as a coach so far? Four, <laughs> classic Jim. Four out of ten. Well, it's just a number that comes. Four is my favourite number, so that's maybe a good thing. Um, well, we, he started off like a steam train, didn't he? Winning the Grand Slam, and you know, then a couple of years went downhill a bit, didn't it? We've seen injuries to key players, and you look at England right now, and we've got all our key players fit. Billy Vunapola. Mako will come back. He's He is a key player for us, but his loss isn't as big at the minute, I think, with... Well, Genji's playing Genji. really well. If you lose someone like Owen Farrell or if you lose Billy, then those two, you know, you lose a Manu. They're three massive impact players for us. So I think we're in a very good spot. I don't think anyone would fancy playing England right now in a World Cup knockout game. Would that be fair? I, I think I think you're right in saying like the guys that they've kept fit. mm you mentioned Billy playing four games or whatever. He massively needed that for himself, for confidence with his arm injuries that he's yeah. had. As so well. you, you then go to, you think about the knockout games. And if you go back to the end of the Six Nations, Wales, Ireland, uh, maybe not Ireland, but Wales, New Zealand, South Africa, they'd be like, oh, we'd be all right playing England. Because we, we were off the rails, weren't we? That second half against Scotland, there was, you know, we were leaderless at times. Uh, on that field and we lost our heads and you, know, you now look at the warm-up games and we've been pretty open on here these warm-up games how much do they mean very little but in reality you look at getting on the plane yesterday those boys they'll be confident very confident of progressing pretty much all the way through the world cup i'd say hey talking about planes first class i thought my life was going to be over we're coming down in heathrow i miss my kids i miss my wife what happened in miami it was all work we're coming down to land i'm thinking here we go we're back, we're safe and sound, going to cuddle the kids. You know, work was stressful. <laughs> About a metre from the ground. I'd say it's a bit more than a metre. Could have been two. The engines are screaming. The thing, and we're right at the front of the plane, we're in first class, so we're like right at the nose tip. And the engines start screaming, and I'm like, we're going down, we're going down. Next thing, we're going up, we're going back up. Aborted landing, abort, abort, abort. 
I am shaking like a leaf. <laughs> well, the, the worst thing about it was, it was like silence. We're like, what has just happened? And he's like, you're right. I said, yeah, I'm all right, but uh, a bit nervous. What? Captain took ages to come on over the uh, loudspeaker and g- give it, yeah, he bought it landing there. Uh, there was a plane on the runway where we were going to land. Are <laughs> <laughs> you what? We were close to the ground, weren't we? Yeah. Fair play, at least he was honest. I don't think yeah. he... He didn't use the word crash because everyone would absolutely be screaming and, and shitting themselves pretty much. But yeah, we went back up and we did a loop. I thought it was karma because basically in first class... I had my, In first my, class? Yeah, my bag was empty. I don't know if I mentioned in first class. So they give you like a wash bag when you get on and pyjamas and like these kind of duvets and stuff. I had a bit of room in my bag. <laughs> you're taking I don't know if you're allowed to take them, but, you know, because we were in first class, I've put them in my bag. So everything's running through my mind. I'm thinking karma has fucking hit me. I've stolen. <laughs> I've stolen the sheets they've given me. <laughs> the plane's going down for that reason. So you've I didn't the, take them in the end. you the eye cream as well, haven't you? I can tell. I did, yeah, there was some eye cream. Yeah, but yeah. I thought it was toothpaste, so I put it in my mouth at first. <laughs> I was a bit jaded from work. Well, the England uh, players have all, all jumped on their planes and headed over to Japan. Uh, Eddie Jones actually spoke to Rugby Pass before they headed off uh, and sounded happy with how his team went over the weekend. No, outstanding game for us. Absolutely outstanding. Uh, we're a bit like the cricketer that scored 100. Uh, he wants to go out and play shots right from the start rather than build his innings again. So we learned that in the first half. You know, we were a little bit loose with the ball. We got in there half, I think, on six occasions and turned the ball over. So it was a great learning exercise for the players. They knuckled down, played with a lot of purpose and intent in the second half. And, yeah, you got to give Italy credit. They uh, they worked hard off the ball, um, and that's probably one of their best offensive efforts. So, you know, uh, that's a great game for us. So what are you guys made of what he had to say there? And is it an issue that uh, Marco Bonapola and Jack Noll won't be fit until the third or fourth game? Um, in reality, it's always an issue when you take players that are not going to be fit for the first few games. You know, that is why he's picked a lot of wingers in the squad where people thought perhaps it was overloaded. Bottom line is you get to the latter stages of the competition. So our latter stages are pool game three, pool game four, and then hopefully quarterfinals and beyond. He's picked these two players because... If you get to those big knockout games, they're players you want in your match day 23. You know, whether they've had a week's rugby before them, whether they've just been training, if they're available, the X factor that those two have got in Jack Knoll and Mako Vanapola uh, in their respective positions, I, I think that you take the risk, don't you? Because, and it's part of the, you know, when Eddie's been picking his squad, you're looking at the games, you're looking at our first game, Tonga, then USA, without sounding like an arrogant Englishman, which Jim always accuses me of, we should win that with any team we pick. Fat and bold. As well, not just arrogant. I'm not bold, mate, all right? <laughs> and I've lost a bit of I timber. Saw, I saw it wet. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you, you know, it's it, is it a risk? Of course it is, because if a loose head prop goes down, you know, Joe Marler's got picked off the back in knowing that Macca's got this pretty serious injury that he's had, and he's, you know, let's make no bones about it. It was the Champions Cup final, wasn't it, when he did it? And obviously everyone within the camp, you know how serious injuries are. Outside the camp, we're guesstimating when you're going to be fit. But, yeah, if, one, if Genji or Marler go down, then you've got a big question. Um, and we'll only find out. And it's like anything. You look at all the World Cup games coming up, there's going to be big stories every week. You know, there's going to be players getting injured. There's going to be players getting banned. And that's going to have a big impact on something at the World Cup. We don't know what it's going to be right now. You know, I talked ages ago last year about Farrell, the way he tackles. Now, let's not forget that something may happen to a very key member of any team. Something is going to stand out over the next few weeks that has a massive impact on a squad. Uh, right now, we're okay. But who knows in two weeks' time? Well, it's time to put your money on the table. Let us know uh, who's going to win the World Cup, lads. Well, hey, Gerland. Oh, sorry, you go, Jim. No, so I'm not going to put my money on the table because it's all gone. Because um, I think I got robbed in Miami. I didn't come back no, with no money. Where's it gone? What are you on about, Jim? Genuinely don't know. I'll give you two answers. Okay? You can't give two answers. I'll get, I'll give one you, team's going to win the World bits, Cup. Mate. I think South Africa. To win it. Are going to win it. Uh, and I'm going to give you a wild card. Go on, then. France. I mean... No, I mean James. I do. I understand where you're coming from, but I, it's crazy to, to think France is going to win the World Cup. They've got a surprise in them somewhere. That's what I'm saying. The World Cup, mate. But they've got to have four surprises to get to the World Cup final. I don't think they need that money. I think they look very good. I think that from what I've seen of them, they look the best they've looked in a long, long well, time. That ain't hard, mate, because we've been calling them cowboys for years. Of course, mate. In- England have got a, a massive chance. Yeah, if you'd have asked me back in the Six Nations, I'd have said, no, we're not going to be anywhere near it. 
Go on um, then. Money on the table, mate. Nanny on the table. Who's winning it? I really want to say England, but I just think New Zealand. No Brodie Retallick. He's he'll, a, he, mate, he ain't. He's dislocated his shoulder, mate. He's coming, mate. I'll tell you now. Quarterfinals, he's coming. Why are they got him in the squad, then? I have no idea. This is from a man who's had shoulder <laughs> injuries, and I'm a warrior, mate, and I couldn't get through it. <laughs> I'm okay. a warrior. So you're missing him. Bowden Barrett at 15. Mate, he's a hell of a player. He's a 10, in, in my opinion. IMO. IMO. What's that? No. In my opinion, IMO. Yeah. I was trying to work out. IMHO. IMO. What's that? My humble opinion. But he's not humble, humble though so that's why he said IMO see this is part of the, the add-on I'm looking at all these different things I'm reading things and like learning like you know FYI is for your information as well. no for your attention what is it for your hold on FYI hold on, hold <laughs> for on. your intention you just said FYI is for your, your attention no no FYA is for your attention <laughs> FYI you're just making this up damn oh, anyway, I've, been looking at, I've been looking at different things anyway nah. mate FYA I've never heard <laughs> of it myself is there an FYA or not I'll put that on a letter <laughs> somewhere oh, James oh, anyway um, FIO FAO that's the one what, what's Looking FAO James for attention of boom the winner's going to come from one of four teams which is South Africa New Zealand England and Wales um, but then you've got Ireland who are supposedly the world's number one team at the minute. Australia, who, you know, they always rock up at World Cups. France have got no chance, Jim. Um, and I agree, you know, South Africa, you know, South Africa now are, people are starting to turn to them and think they're favourites, aren't they? They humperdinked Japan as well yeah. at the weekend. They got that uh, monkey off the back, didn't they, James? Yes, they did. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm going to go. Go on, you can't pick one of four. Like, it's England, I'm going England. Of course he is. England to win the World Cup. Of course he is. Ooh. South Africa. Gatlin will be handing over the reins as head coach of Wales to Wayne Pivak after the World Cup, and the two men will be coming face-to-face as Wales host Warren Gatlin's led barbarian side on Saturday the 30th of November. Who knows? It could be the Barbars versus the World Champions. What do you reckon, Jim? Get it? Well, I told you, I reckon South Africa are going to win. So Interesting, though, isn't it? Gats returns against Wales, who are going to be in what is... Well, I mean, again, a lot of it's going to depend on the World Cup. Uh, you know my love affair of the bar bars, uh, two-time <laughs> tourist, um, guilty as charged. Um, but well, yeah, well, the game is going to be a celebration of rugby with a double header as Wales women play the Barbarians women before Wales hosts the Barbarians as PVAC coaches Wales for the first time. Tickets start from as little as ten quid, and you can get them by visiting wru.wales/rugbypod. That's wru.wales/rugbypod. So go and check it out before it sells out. Be there or be square yes james there you go before we move on i just want to have a quick chat about uh scotland heading into the world cup jim they've got a few injuries now don't they scotland got a few injuries picked up a a biggish one i think apparently a couple of the guys went to hospital with concussion Toulis and jamie Ritchie's the biggest concern so the bat row i've said it he's awesome he is an amazing player so scotland are very strong in the back row blay thompson the guy that suffered with concussion from Scarlet's a few times, something wrong with his hamstring. So Jamie Ritchie went to hospital, looks like a facial injury. Doesn't sound great. He might be all right. I don't know. I've not heard any whispers. After the leak, all the eyes were on me from the World Cup squad, even though it wasn't me. Can you name who it was? I ain't getting told shit. Uh, I don't know who it was. but mm. So I can't find anything out. They're on lockdown. Uh, but Jamie Ritchie, facial injury. So they're taking Magus Bradbury as cover for him. Johnny Gray hamstring as well. They took him off in the game. So You got a chance? I don't think I've got any chance. Oh, okay. Miami for work has, has basically ended it all for me. So, yeah. So we'll be looking at them to see. Hey, there's space. There's space in the Scotland squad, though, for players to swear their allegiance. Who? What about this guy playing NFL? Mate, get him in, mate. Jamie Gillen. Apparently can kick a ball 300 metres. Do you guys need that in your team? Or would that help? Oh, mate, they need a kicking game. Scotland have got no kicking game. Jamie Gillen, not only can he welly a ball from absolutely miles away, he's got the best hair I've ever seen. Oh, mate, lid. Lid. Really? Oh, just like that long flowing locks. They call him the Scottish Hammer. Well, we've actually got uh, Jamie Gillen on the phone at the moment. How are you, mate? Doing good, doing good. Just uh, having some coffee, getting ready for the day. <laughs> well, Jamie, we were just talking actually about uh, Scotland rugby heading into the World Cup, and they've got a few injury problems, albeit up front. But would you throw your, your hat into the ring, mate, to maybe join the World Cup squad, mate? You, you're killing it out there. <laughs> I don't know about that. It's pretty cool watching uh, one of the guys, uh, Blair Kinghorn. I used to play against him all through boarding school. Uh, he used to play fly half for Edinburgh Academy, so I used to play against him all the time. So it's really cool watching him kill it out there, you know? More importantly, let's talk about the NFL. Uh, you made your debut yesterday 
uh, in front of 70,000 people in Cleveland. How was it? Uh, I know the result didn't quite go your way, but for you, your first game as an experience? Uh, it was it was definitely uh, pretty crazy because, you know, I've never really played in front of uh, a crowd like that. Uh, and then also as, as crazy as how everybody was, you know, running out into the field and the place is just like the whole... The ground is vibrating because of how loud people are screaming, you know, and it was really awesome. But I just went out there and did my job, just focused. And even though the result was really not what we wanted, obviously, and it was it was not good, but I still can't let that determine my punting because I still got to do a good job of that for my stats and for team stats. So I just stayed focused and didn't let anything affect me you know and just talk us a little bit through your journey I mean I've read upon it this morning but if you can just tell the millions of listeners that we've got just kind of how you've come through and starting rugby and then now obviously on the big stage of NFL uh, so basically I, I played a lot of, I played rugby since I was five and uh, then I got a full scholarship to Merkiston for uh, for rugby and when I was there we were it was class it was good we we had a solid team uh, my dreams were always just to play for Scotland and to play professional rugby. You know, I wasn't really a book kind of guy. I just liked playing rugby. Uh, just fortunately that Merkston helped me out with my academics. But then my dad got posted out to Maryland and I, we didn't want to do the cross-Atlantic relationship. And basically halfway in the season, I was, I was playing, as they call it here, soccer, just to stay fit for rugby. I saw that their kicker and punter wasn't very good and I can kick and punt because, you know, being a fly half, you've got to have those skills. So I kicked and punted for the team. And uh, at Merkston and any rugby team that I played for, I went there. They, I made the team and and played five games and got a full scholarship. Uh, I actually I got a full scholarship after the season, but I pretended to sign the papers so I wasn't attached to the team. And they didn't see that I didn't sign the papers. They just received the papers and didn't look them over. So it's a little bit cheeky of me, but I did it just because I, you just never know and everything happens for a reason. And then I got a full scholarship through Facebook to a better college in terms of division wise then from there I just had a goal of all right well I'm not playing rugby because it was it, rugby was huge for me it was I loved it so much you know and being away from it was awful I, I really missed it. I actually played a, a little bit of rugby for a local team in uh, Arkansas in the off season for football but basically I, I told myself if I'm gonna take away four years of Rugby, I'm gonna make. I'm gonna play NFL. I'm gonna play, make some money off my leg, you know. And basically, the one of the main reasons of me playing rugby, uh, football is because you can, if you have a really successful career in football, you can really set yourself up for life with the amount of money that people make here, and also because I enjoy it. So I chose this route. I got a free education uh, for college, which was awesome, and now I'm playing in the NFL. So everything worked out, but that's just why I chose it. And I'm gonna keep lifting and keep running and. St- keep conditioning myself because if anything does happen i'll just come back and play some rugby <laughs> oh mate you'll be able to buy a decent house in inverness that's for sure mate if it carries <laughs> on like that <laughs> and just tell us a little bit about i mean you're playing with some rock stars aren't you out there you know that they are you know worldwide celebrities but they are treated like gods so just give us a little insight into what some of the characters are like within the the, the cleveland browns team well i know i'm not sure about the other teams but you know cleveland browns uh so our general manager is uh, John Dorsey, and a lot of those guys are very selective with uh, who they have and what sort of ball club they want. So with all the big cats that we have in the team, they're actually all really humble, and it's really nice to be around them because they they all put in the extra work. Uh, they put in the extra work in the gym. They put in the extra work on the field. From what I'm seeing, I don't know what they're what they're like uh, maybe out and about when you're going downtown and stuff. But from what I see, though, they're they're humble. Everybody's humble. Like the likes of Odell and Landry, uh, Baker, they, they just work and they just put their, you know, put their balls to the wall, I guess, and, and just and just work every day because they're trying to win the, the World Championship Super Bowl. So, you know, they, they're everybody just wakes up every morning and we got to go to a million meetings, what they do, and study the plays and work out really hard and, and get it done. So they're really respectful of everybody and they come up and talk to me a lot we have some good talks and just great guys I, I know some media can give people like bad reps and stuff but kind of can't listen to that because these guys in person are just phenomenal people you know and they're there for a reason because they're great athletes and they're great people and Jamie you mentioned Odell Beckham Jr. there and you said you mentioned uh, balls to the wall was it balls to the floor with him or not because I saw him knocking about a kill was it did he wear it properly or not he, did, he didn't he wore it backwards and he wore boxes underneath. So oh, mate, this is disgrace. Oh, this is disgrace, that. mate. <laughs> this is disgrace. Um, and obviously, for all our listeners now, I'm intrigued by this myself. Obviously, being a, when I played, I kicked the ball a hell of a lot. That's all I could do. What's the differences between kicking a rugby ball 
uh, and then the American football. Because obviously we've gone in rugby now to a lot of end over end kicking, which you don't do in America in the NFL. You're yeah. you're still tight spiral, aren't you? Yeah, we um. So you know, in rugby, you can send like a, a punt anywhere you want, and you know it doesn't really matter about the height of it and the spiral. Where here, if if they're a lot about the hang time, you know, on how on when it comes off your foot, how long it's in the air. You got to give the gunner a chance to get down. So what they want is if you're if you're kicking a, if you kick a forty yard punt, you want it to be forty four seconds in the air because that should give our gunners enough time to go down and and make the tackle. So instead of hitting like piss rockets, you know, into the corners and stuff, you you've got to really you got to punch a good ball high, tight spiral and far as well. So we have our gunners enough time to go down and make the play but then you do do the end over end punch but that's only for short field play so you can maybe get a good bounce and, and control it a little better it's a little different and also the ball is smaller so a little bit of a smaller sweet spot but when you connect with it you can you can send a football you can absolutely send a football but if you kick the nose of a football you'll break your foot yeah and i've done that accidentally a couple of times and it hurts <laughs> Mate, there's a lot of uh, talk over here as well. I don't know what it's like for you over there, or e- even if you know Christian Wade, but on social media, it's kind of blown up one of one of his uh, touchdowns or a try, probably, from his point of view. He went under the stick. <laughs> but is there any talk of Christian Wade over there? I mean, his profile is now huge over here, and people are wondering whether there's actually an, an opportunity for rugby players to transition into the NFL. Oh, there absolutely is. When I was a kid, I was watching Christian Wade and London Wasps and stuff. I love watching Christian Wade. He is electric, and I, I I couldn't believe that. I really personally think he should have had more caps for England. But when he came out here, a few people in the Browns were talking about him too, and talking about the rugby. And I was able to tell him a little bit about it, you know. And I think there is so much potential for rugby players to transition to football. But the only thing is, is the technical side of it in terms of learning the plays. When I roomed with uh, one of the QBs, uh, one of the rookie QBs that came in and he came into the room with the playbook and I swear to you that was thicker than a bible you know so these sort of plays that you got to learn it's not like you know in rugby you've got maybe four or five plays that you fly half has and you know you'll just call it and it kind of just rolls no you've got you got to look to the sideline and they'll give you hand signals or the QB will say a sentence and you've got to know a bit of that sentence that's going to dictate to you where you're going to run but then also you might go out there and the QB might call an audible and or something because he sees the defense in a different way and he'll tap something on his helmet or anything and you've got to know what you, your route is going to change. It, it's just ridiculous. So and there's, no, there's no doubt in my mind that there's a, a lot of rugby players out there that have the talent to play NFL. It's just, it, it, it's just knowing the, the playbook and understanding football to go out there and do it, you know? Right, hell of a reason just to be a kicker. Too much information, just kick it as long, high, and as far as you can. Yeah, Jamie, um, I had all the attributes, mate. It's just probably, yeah, the playbook, like you say, is probably the bit that probably just got me out. So I would have been out there killing it, mate, like Adele Beckham, mate, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> You're dreaming. Right, buddy, uh, I've got to ask you one question. You're, obviously, your background is rugby. You're now playing in the NFL. Uh, what would you rather, play in the World Cup final for Scotland and win it, or just play in a Super Bowl for the Cleveland Browns? Oh, man, you got me in a sticky situation here. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Just because of where I'm at right now, I'd like to play in the Super Bowl. But if you'd asked me that question about a month ago, uh, we'll go, we're, we're going to the World Cup final with Scotland. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're never getting there, so you, you take that Super Bowl, buddy. <laughs> All right, Jamie, hey, thanks know. for joining us, mate, and uh, best of luck with that Super Bowl quest. I uh, appreciate it. Cheers, buddy. Cheers for coming on, mate. Thanks, guys. Good man. Good lad. Do you know what we could do? What? We could get a rugby pod trip out to Cleveland. Matt, I'm not going back to America. No? Okay. No, I was going to say. Don't, don't, don't ask me now. I can go and kick ask with him. Week. I can go and kick with him. I mean, that's... I, I spoke about it. Uh, I got... When I was out on England tour, I don't remember what year it was, out, out in Canada. Um, 1978. I, something like that, yeah. I was doing a kicking session um, and we were, we were over in Edmonton. Um, where we were training was next to where the Edmonton... CFL team play Canadian Football League and this guy came over to me afterwards and he was like man you kick a ball sweet I said yeah I can't run but I can kick I said it's held me back in rugby in England he's like hey do you want to do you want to come do a tryout for us and I'm on an England tour at this point uh, thinking oh you know Johnny's injured I might play at some point and then I did some research I was like you know what, what's the CFL like what you know started talking um, to basically how much yeah pretty much <laughs> and they were like oh 50,000 Canadian a year I was like no, a year like, yeah but obviously, a lot of people use the Canadian, the CFL, to a stepping stone to try and get into a college or get into something to then go into the NFL. So, um, I mean, what a dream that is. 
Like you hear his story there and he talks about his dad moving over to America. Everything happens for a reason. He didn't want the long distance relationship with his dad. Took the chance of, he saw the kicker was shit for the college he was at. And then he's now in the NFL. I mean, what a dream that is. Scottish people, mate. Always do well. Should we have a look at some social media? Yeah, questions? why not? All right, Tom Fox has tweeted in, what do you make of Eddie Jones and Owen Farrell agreeing that Wags will go to the World Cup and will be allowed to stay with the players after some games? I mean, this for me, it's dressed up to be... You know, are people looking at it saying it's an issue because of what's happened with the footballers? It's irrelevant. You know, if you want your missus there, have her there. What's Eddie Jones done? I don't see... I don't think... You know, everyone has this big thing about football World Cup. Should the Wags be there? Should the women be there? Are they putting off the players? You've got... A load of guys going over to Japan for eight weeks, hopefully, eight, nine weeks, getting to that World Cup final. You've got families with, you know, players with wives, kids, the lot. I I think it's massively important to have that ability if you want your family to come with you. And there'll be some guys that just want to be focused on rugby, but there'll be some guys that pine for their family. I mean, Jim, would would that be something that you would have liked to have happened when you were at the World Cup? You have family and kids there? No. And that was, <laughs> Flat out, no. But that I is, did, a, I did say look, that. I know Goody jokes about it and we joke about it. And I'm pretty serious when I say these things. Like John Barkley posted a, a thing on Instagram. I don't know if you saw me comment. He's basically put a picture of him and his family. I up saw. There what did you say? I said, mate, you're not going to Iraq. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you know, and the whole thing with Marla and stuff like that. But I, I'm different. And I'll tell you why, because, and I mentioned Iraq there. My dad was in the military, right? So he was in the Falklands when I was born. He, he went to the Iraq war in 91. He was never there, never there now. Don't have a relationship with him now. It's not a, it's not a sad story. Well, it's okay, a sad James, story. It's a sad story. I'm here. James, I'm here for you. <laughs> oh my God, I'm here I miss you, so much. You go into a World Cup to play to play sport, that's what I think. And it's not necessarily about being focused, but I think that depending on where you are in your life, Eddie Jones bringing your wife there, fine. He's got no other distractions. He's got no other distractions. His wife's there, it's fine. Imagine me being at a World Cup and bringing my wife and my four children. It's absolute bedlam. Do you know what I mean? And some people might think, yeah, that that's great to get away from. Me personally... I don't think so. Yeah, and that's that, the thing. What, but it's an individual it's, thing. That's, but, well, that's what I'm saying. So, and what, if some want to go and some don't want to go, that's entirely an in, individual decision. So, to allow them to have it as an option, I think it's a good thing. You, you look at Eddie Jones. You look at the pictures from training at Penny Hill Park over his reign. His missus is always there. What's and, he done? And his dog. Some people are going to want that. I, I can imagine Owen Farrell just had a kid, but he's the most intense player would he want his missus and, and, and little nipper there who no, knows no but interestingly did an interview with Neil back that we're we're doing like a World Cup memories thing and he spoke about in Australia when his family flew over um there was a couple of really bad things I, I think his his son oh no sorry his daughter was really poorly she got rushed into hospital as soon as they landed but then the hotel they were staying at in 2003 was was crap or average he had them in his room and, and again a few other people I don't think Jono did but I feel like again it's personal preference isn't it I just yeah, I don't think eight weeks is a long time. That's what I'm thinking. If you're going to a World Cup for a sports tournament, the third biggest tournament in the world on the planet, you can, you know, you've got FaceTime, you've got all these different things. That's my personal preference. Malcolm Knox wants to know if the All Blacks intentionally going down to 14 men when they were 92 nil up to see how they coped a man down. Is it in the spirit of the game or is it a bit condescending? I mean, the scoreline says it all, in my opinion. Um, love Tonga, love what they stand for, love all the South Sea Islander teams. Mentioned it before. You know, we've had Dan Leo on the phone talking about it. Um, there's been conversations between the Gulf of Tier One and Tier Two nations. But if you're New Zealand, that's the put. And I know um, Hansen came out and said that Crotty was carrying an injury, and they didn't want to risk him. Whatever he, it's, this is my argument the whole time. They are warm up games, yeah. and it was the whole thing that Goody was talking about last week with Eddie Jones wanted to use or 31 of his players, if he could, for the, for the game against Italy. No better opportunity. 92-0 up, or you know, whatever you were were up at the time. I'm actually surprised, having seen him do it, he didn't do it earlier. You know, ultimately, you know, is it in the spirit of the game or condescending? No, I mean, it, everyone's using these preparation games for different ideas. And like Jim said, we, we don't know how teams are playing at the minute because they're not showing their full sort of deck of cards, are they? It's, it's something that, you know, some people see it as disrespectful, but you can train for those sort of things. But ultimately, you want it to be tested in a, in a match environment. So I didn't have a problem with it, to be honest. Well, they lost to Tonga 7-0 anyway with them off. So 
Hopefully New Zealand are going to have 40 men because Scotland will put 50 on them. <laughs> George Hudson, has the gap between Tier 1 and Tier 2 nations grown since the last World Cup? Do you think or not? Uh, do you agree with Steve Hansen that World Rugby needs to do more to get Tier 2 nations more games and that it's the Six Nations' fault as they rule the calendar? Well, that's a clear thing from Steve Hansen, isn't it? A clear sort of jab at the Six Nations and, and World Rugby about this whole world calendar. What uh, Six Nations got to do with it? Well, he's saying that there's this big debate at the minute about the world calendar, about trying to fit in uh, and, and marry the two hemispheres up to play international rugby at the same time. Agree. Um, and he's, what Steve Hansen is saying is it's all ran by the Six Nations who dictate oh. when things are going to get played. I mean, I, I think this whole, we talked about the the World League and everything like that, that sounded, you know, more and more rugby, which is not great for uh, player welfare and all that stuff. That got binned, didn't it? Um, and it, it's clearly Steve Hansen having a pop because he, you know, obviously he wants more movement and us to go to them as opposed to them coming to us, I suppose. In answer to George's question, is the gap between Tier 1 and Tier 2 grown since the last World Cup? I think it has. Genuinely think it has. Mm -hmm. um, will we see a Japan scenario um, against South Africa well, th this Scot year? Japan will beat Scotland, yeah. No, I don't think we'll see one this World Cup unless Scotland beat Ireland. You think that that's a shot, Goody, which I don't <laughs> think it will be. <laughs> Well, South Africa defeated the World Cup host Japan 41-7 at the weekend. Uh, but around the same time, there was some really, really sad news that came out of South Africa with 1995 World Cup winner Chester Williams passing away from a heart attack. And one of his former teammates and fellow World Cup winner Joel Stransky joins us now. Joel, how are you feeling, mate? What's What's been going on? And um, obviously really sad news over there. Yeah, it's been a tough period for us in South Africa in terms of sporting heroes passing away, you know. So we had uh, Chris James and then one of our footballers, Mark Batchelor, and now obviously Chester. So it's um, it's completely out the blue that Teddy's gone. You know, he was quite healthy and in good form and in the gym a lot and looking good and healthy. So this is a, a massive shock to all of us. And, he, you know, his family must be absolutely devastated. So our condolences obviously go out to them, but it, but it is... Dreadfully sad news. Yeah, of course it is. And I think everyone around the world involved in rugby uh, can feel and hear and, and see all that. But I mean, uh, just talk a little bit about Chester's legacy that he's left. Every, everyone knows about the 95 World Cup and everything, but I'm sure there's a, the, the, there's even more to his legacy than that. Well, I know there is. Yeah, so I mean, obviously 95 was a special time and it propelled him into you know, his, his legacy. But he, you know, he was never someone who wanted to you know his name or he, he didn't want to be on camera he didn't want to be up there in the lights he wanted to go about his business behind the scenes he was a very quiet very unassuming young man and uh, and I think as a result loved by absolutely everyone I don't know anyone who's ever had a bad word to say about Tizzy he, he always had this big smile he, he was um, very popular amongst the players he coached he was, you know, he was obviously a legend of the game and a, and a true friend and a brother of our squad and then just looking at him now, obviously he was coaching the Western Province under twenty one side, wasn't he as well? So is he going to leave a massive loss for them as well? You know, he's been coaching uh, one of the universities down in the Western Cape as well, and mentoring a lot of young players there. And, and I think he'll be a big loss there. I think his role with Western Province was just one that was growing, and uh, there's no doubt he's one of those coaches who's coached a lot trying to earn his stripes and, and earn them the hard way and the right way. Um, he's, he's gained a, he gained a lot of experience. He coached overseas a little bit. He's been coming in Romania. So, so yes, he's a, he, he, you know, by, by now he was an experienced coach and, 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 and with a lot to offer. And in particular, you know, and I can't, can't say this enough, you know, it's one thing to be a good coach. It's another thing to be a great mentor of young human beings, of young men. And I think as good a coach as he was, he was probably a much, much better mentor of young, of young, growing South Africans. And then you're looking back at 95 and obviously the impact that Chester had and you guys had winning that World Cup. Um, do you think that South Africa, can, South Africa can play the ultimate tribute to him and win the World Cup again? Is that something that you think the team will now be motivated by? Well, I, I think if you go into a World Cup, you don't need any more motivation, do you? And I think um, you know, deep down inside those players from whichever team, they'll all have their own elements or factors that motivate them. So the Springboks will go out there and they will play to win the Rugby World Cup, irrespective of who's come and gone before them. Obviously, proud tradition and history, and that history does count for something. And obviously, at some point, you know, they'll mention fallen heroes like Ruben Kruger and Joost and James and now Chester. But um, I don't think it'll be a, an extra motivational factor, no. 
But just looking at that, um, if we get properly into the rugby's, uh, Joel, you've seen the photo. I don't know. Are you on social media? I'm sure you are. <laughs> um, but you've seen yeah. the picture of this South African team with a combined uh, body percentage fat of about 3%. Um, they look fit. The score lines that they've yeah. produced over recent years show that they're peaking at the right time. How is the vibe in South Africa? Is, is there a big expectation that this team c- can actually go and win it? So firstly, I mean, I saw that photo and I saw a quote from one of the New Zealand fans who responded and, and repeated with a comment saying, maybe they should do more speed work, which was quite funny, I thought. <laughs> but, uh, but they do look big and strong and they do look powerful. And, and I think that's a good recipe for Rugby World Cups. Rugby World Cups are, um, are not about the, you know, the beautiful, pretty side of rugby union. It's about the hard physical domination. It's about, you know, making big tackles and defending your line. It's about kissing your goals. And, and I think the recipe that has traditionally won Rugby World Cups is a recipe that Rossi Erasmus has stuck to in the last few months. And that's probably why we're reaching, you know, a point where we would think they're in, in good form. The, the sentiment here is, is very, very positive. You know, I don't think it's one of overconfidence because there's a lot of good teams. And I think everyone's quite, quite open and fair about it, saying that for the first time, there's maybe seven or eight teams who can actually win this Rugby World Cup, um, of which South Africa are definitely one of them. And But, but we have a quiet confidence, a quiet bit of self-belief. We, we, we think we're in good shape to go and win it. And then talking about the first game, obviously, against the All Blacks, that's probably going to decide which side of the draw each team goes on. Um, you've had a, some decent results against the All Blacks, better than most over the last few years. Um, how do you see that game going, Joel? Um Sure. So I think it's a tough one, tough one to call. But but irrespective of win or lose, I don't I don't think it is as material as as everyone has made out. So I think um, this is a very strong Springbok squad. It's a very strong Springbok side. It's obviously a very strong New Zealand side. Whoever loses that game will go into the other side of the draw, and will we'll, you know more than likely play against Ireland in the in, in the quarterfinal. And 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 I think I think whoever loses that game and has to play Ireland will still beat Ireland. I'm I'm, I'm convinced of that. So. It, it'll be tough to swallow a loss, but um, I, I certainly don't think it's the end of the world for either team. It's a very tough one to call. I'm not, I'm not sure who's going to win it. And, and as I said, you know, I, don't, I don't think it's the be-all and the end-all of the tournament. Oh, Joel, it'll be Scotland in that game, mate. i just probably put you there. Ireland are struggling, mate. It'll be Scotland in that quarter-final, <laughs> I'm afraid, buddy. <laughs> Scotland have got to beat Japan first, eh? Oh, come yeah. on. That's where we're at. We know what it's like to play against Japan in a Rugby World Cup. Of so, course, yeah. well, you've you've written that wrong now. Um, I just wanted to get a note on um, how how well Razzie's done and, and how well he's he's received. The South African squad now looks brilliant in terms of the form players. A lot of that is with guys now playing in Europe that they've, they've been able to pick and they've been happy to do that. How has that been received in South Africa? Firstly, that the guys are playing over in Europe and they're not staying over there. And then obviously how strong his, his squad is going into the World Cup. So, so I don't think anyone has any issue with the fact that he's picked players playing overseas. I think it's a, it's a Rugby World Cup. It's a, it's a tournament where you need to pick your best 15, your, you, you know, your best 23, your best 31 to go to Japan. Um, and Russ has done that. I think, I think what everyone's most impressed, impressed about is how he's, he's managed to get players who didn't look like they were in great form or who hadn't shown great form in the last little while. He's given them a chance. He's, he's helped them step up, he's helped them reach form and he's given he's given chances to players who he believes in and who've, who've rewarded him by playing well, you know, and I think um, the other part of this beautiful game, this, this team sport of, is is a happy camp is normally a camp that delivers and, and when you see the, the environment, when you see the, the joy and the pleasure and, and, and I'd go as far as to say almost the brotherly love inside that camp, you can understand why this is a team that has, um, has stepped up big time, that has got a draw and a win in New Zealand in the last you know 14 months, that has uh, shown some really good signs, that is unbeaten so far this year, they have a, they have a great spirit, they have a great demeanour and, and they're all I'm very happy to be there, which is why they're playing well. And Strana, you're heading out there, aren't you, to, to work for uh, on, I am. on TV. Uh, how much are you looking forward to it? Have you got any trips planned? you got any midweek uh, little treks going into different places of Japan? <laughs> Could you definitely. So I'm, I'm actually, I leave next week, Wednesday, and in the first month I'm with, the, um, with the, the host broadcaster. And then and so that's you know, a game every second or third day, so it's quite busy. But then the quarter, semis, and final is a bit of time. I'm, go, I'm definitely going to go take my bicycle and go ride up Mount Fuji, if that's what you're asking. <laughs> and definitely, um, you know, I, I think the joy of, of going to a, a different environment, another country, and experiencing the culture is about trying to understand the culture, visiting all the cultural areas, going to Kyoto, and trying to, you know, really embrace the, 
the Japanese culture, kind of get out and ride my bike and, and see and live as, as much of it as I possibly can. All right, Joel, enjoy your time over there in Japan, and uh, thank you very much for joining us. Uh, my pleasure, guys, and hopefully we'll see you across there, and hopefully uh, it's a wonderful Rugby World Cup. Yeah, perfect. Cheers, Cheers Johnny. Cheers, Joel. Thanks, mate. Cheers, you guys. Stop. Top man, good, yeah, good bloke. We should probably start off with the news because we, we were away when when I read that about mm. Chester. How sad is that? I mean, obviously him, but the '95 World Cup squad having lost Kruger, used uh, the coach as well. Fourth one, isn't it? Yeah, uh, that's sad, so sad. It? And you, you listen to Stranny talking, then he talks about Chester was fit, he was in good shape, he was, you know, having a big impact on you know mentoring players and younger players coming through and. Yeah, it's, it's it's a tragic loss. Um, unexplainable sometimes, some of them, aren't they? Um, such a shame, but you know, hopefully it will help galvanise that South African team and um, you know they'll stick it to the All Blacks first game. That's what I say. Speaking of South Africa, we also spoke to former Springbok prop Brian Mujati for our Superfans subscription service at patreon.com recently and we thought we'd play you a quick clip of that now just to give you a little taste of what's on offer over there. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. It was really tough because... There was a lot of, there was just a lot of uncertainty. Um, I was going to see doctors. And I was just checking a, like a peep at the receipts and stuff. Some of these guys were charging like 400 quid for a session just to consult with me, like like high-end doctors. And they were all puzzled. So I was like, I was a bit worried. And um, there's a disease called uh, GBS, Guillain-Barre syndrome. And um, what happens is you, you start losing like control of your muscles and uh, some patients end up becoming paralyzed. So I spent a few weeks thinking that that was the case. And uh, eventually that, that wasn't, um, they said that I would, I'd recover somewhat, but after about six months, that'd be the extent of my recovery. And they would uh, gauge to see if I should play any play again. And by the time it came to that six months, uh, I'd really been out for like, 10 months by then the Ospreys had had cancelled my contract and uh, I just thought fuck it let's do something else insurance no I had insurance but insurance has thoroughly screwed me over I have uh, yeah they told me when it started uh, it was was crazy because the the physio the head physio at the Ospreys said to me um, he pulled me aside after but we'd been we'd been bouncing around going to London and Cardiff and all these places and uh, he said to me look um I've never seen anything like this and I'm a bit worried about this. And because there's so much gray area, I think that um, we should start putting together the paperwork for a career-ending injury because the insurers usually take, you know, six, seven, eight months to to process these. They're going to want to investigate. They're going to want... So if we just start the paperwork now and you recover at some point, then we just bin it. But at least if it's started, then... By the time, if we, if we come six months down the road, at least we're three months ahead of the curve, if you know what I mean. Mm. And I was, I was like, what the fuck is this guy talking about? I've just, like, I, nothing happened. I wasn't, I wasn't injured. Nothing happened in a game. Nothing. I just literally woke up. Nothing mm. happened at all. There was no pain. I, I felt fine. I just had no strength in my arm for some reason. So I thought that, I thought that he was being a bit, you know. Over the top. Over the top. And um. That was, that was probably the one thing I should have listened to. And I just thought, no, let's just leave it. It's going to be fine. Because I don't know, when you're, I think when you are a professional athlete, you, you have to, you only get there because you believe in yourself. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and it's hard to, to turn that switch off. And I, I, I never believed for a second that it was over. Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. There you go. Just head over to patreon.com forward slash rugby pod if you like the sound of that and sign up to get loads of extra interviews and features for just a few quid a month. And don't forget, you can catch all this season's Premiership Pro 14, Champions Cup and much more on rugbypass.com if you're in Asia and wherever you are in the world, you can watch a video version of this pod on there as well. Should we go on to the good, the bad, and the ugly? Oh, please. Can't wait. This week is brought to you by Telegraph Sports Subscription. Go and check out telegraph.co.uk forward slash the rugby pod for quality analysis and insight on this year's World Cup in Japan with the likes of Sir Ian McGeekin, Danny Cipriani, Will Greenwood, and more. Rugby pod listeners can get a free month uh, and then a further three months at half price at just 50p a week. You'll get unlimited access to all their sports coverage, insight, and analysis so make sure you're in the know with the rugby pod and the telegraph and just head to telegraph.co.uk forward slash the rugby pod to get your 30-day free trial and three month half price the good we'll start off it wasn't really about rugby or a specific game uh, but sean deitch going down to harlequins and being interviewed by his lookalike james chisholm some of the stuff that harlequins are putting out and i did a bit last week with uh 
Francis Saeli and Ben Tapawai. Oh my God, those two. I beg. I mean, Saeli, he's a monster. I retire because I didn't want to play against people like that. I reckon Quinns are going to be contenders this year. I do as well. The Vi- oh, why, you've changed your no, tune. That is why I am not committing to anything. <laughs> the Paul Gustard effect, mate. Yeah, Guzzy, what they're doing over pre-season, they sent the boys out to Ibiza on a lad's trip. Um, they are changing the way Harlequins do things. He's coming up with some brilliant ideas. I think they're going to be real contenders. So it's brilliant to see Sean Deitch down at Quinns being interviewed by James Chisholm. Uh, we'll go over to France in the good this week, not the national team. Uh, but the top 14 continues. Christophe Urios working his magic for Bordeaux. They're three from three, beating Castaway, his old team. Uh, that was pretty impressive. Breve beat Claremont at home in the 100th derby match between the two. Claremont, obviously big powerhouses. Breve hadn't had a victory yet. Uh, a big victory for them, having played in that derby a few times. Uh, Leon dispatched Toulon at Toulon. 20 points to six. They're impressing me this year so far. So uh, some good stuff coming out of the top 14. Unfortunately, it's not on UK television though at the minute. That might change. Um, what else was good this week? New Zealand smashing Tonga 92-7. Uh, George Bridge scoring four tries. He's now averaging over a try game at international rugby. It's not a bad effort, is it? He's only played a few though. I was going to say, he's only played one game. <laughs> he's scoring out of a lot of tries. Well, no, he's only played one and he averaged four then. Oh, shit. <laughs> he's played against what? Japan, Australia and uh, now Tonga. Are you saying Australia are garbage? Yeah. Now Oregon. Anyway, uh, that New Zealand looked pretty impressive. Uh, David Pocock. Hasn't been spoken about much. He made his comeback versus Samoa. Uh, can't wait to see him at the World Cup. What else was good? Uh, South Africa dominating Japan 41-7 in Kumagaya. Happy with that pronunciation, Jim? Come on, Agaya. Come on, Agaya. Um, 41-7, uh, banishing memories of t- their 2015 loss to Japan in the World Cup. Uh, Mapimpi. Mapimpi. Bagged a hat-trick. Uh, so he's looking good. Uh, what else was good? Dan Biggers' honesty. Oh, mate. Fuck. What about that, though? A lot of players... Try and mug referees off left, right and centre. Bigger knew he got held up. Uh, just tells the ref, don't even check it. Uh, I thought that was pretty good. Rory Best and Joe Schmidt's emotional send-off from the Aviva Stadium. They've gone back-to-back over Wales over the last few weeks. Uh, pretty special to see two stalwarts, especially Rory Best, uh, who's bringing down the curtain on his international career after the World Cup. Their last game, obviously Joe Schmidt, we know he's off. Uh, his last game at the Viva Stadium. Uh, brilliant to see the send-off they gave them. Uh, what else was good? Let's go to England. It wasn't a great game, but Mark Wilson. Some injury doubts, some question marks been made uh, around him over the summer. Uh, but he was huge for England uh, in his hometown. Seven carries, 49 metres made, five defenders beaten, 27 tackles. And it was the first time his mum has watched him play for England live. Wow. So take your mum out to Japan, get a ticket to every game. And you'll get man on the match week in, week out. And that was pretty impressive. But the good this week goes to another England player, Ellis Genge. Uh, he was outstanding when he came on, but that's not the good. The good is about him seeking out a lad he's been in contact with over social media in the crowd, uh, who he's been talking to a lot and helping him through. He's got dyspraxia uh, from Bladen Rugby Club. Gave me a shirt after the game. Uh, it's been all over social media. It just goes to show that rugby players are in touch with the fans. Brilliant for Ellis Genge um, to make that little boy's day. So uh, not only... Is it a gesture giving him his shirt? But the backstory of it, how he's been in touch with him over the last few months and helping him through some tough times just shows what a bloke Ellis Genge is. So the good this week goes to Ellis Genge. Here, here. The bad. Uh, we'll start in France. Toulon. <laughs> hey! Uh, losing at home at 20 points to six to Lyon. In their team, they had Ben Tio, Julian Severe, Liam Messam, Mamuka Gorgodzi, Facundo Issa, Reese Webb. The list goes on. They had rock stars in that team uh, and they've lost at home to Lyon. Uh, which doesn't sound great for them. Uh, Tonga got absolutely battered, 92 points to seven by New Zealand. That wasn't very good. Uh, What else was bad? Japan, uh, heavy home defeat, pre-World Cup to South Africa. Everyone's thinking and talking about Japan. I've even said it on air that they're going to beat Scotland. Uh, A bit of a spanner in the works for them uh, with a big loss at home, which wasn't great. Um, What else was bad? Scottish rugby. Oh, what, what now? I mean, playing a version of the Georgian National Anthem, which was two decades out of date at Murrayfield mate, that on was Friday. Al, mate, that was Al Kellogg who pressed play. <laughs> Al Kellogg, you can't blame him. Mate, he sucks, mate. So disrespectful, Scottish rugby. Um, hopefully that will never happen again. Uh, but the bad this week, we spoke about it earlier, unfortunately, the passing of Chester Williams, uh, an icon of South African rugby, uh, and now the fourth player from that victorious 95 World Cup winning squad to pass away. It's a real shame. Uh, so thoughts with all his family. The ugly... Uh, only one real ugly thing I could find in the world of rugby this weekend. What? It's from our old boys, Leicester, Jim. 
Absolute scrappy dappy dappy What's dappy. What's about that, mate? I mean, glasses being thrown, scrapping on on the piss in Portugal, uh, brawling in the bar. They're out there on camp. Obviously, they've been given the day after go and bond as a squad, and it's ended up in a scrappy dappy do. The video doesn't make for good viewing. There's different stories about why it happened, why whose fault it was, but it's not great for rugby. So um, Leicester Tigers and their brawling boys out in Portugal get the ugly this week. I texted Deeks and said um, what happened. He said I weren't there. And of course he weren't there because there would have been 10 dead Portuguese men, if that is the case. Thanks, Gertie. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Producer Tim. And thank you very much for listening as well. Don't forget to subscribe, follow us on Twitter, review us on iTunes, and check out our Superfans monthly subscription service at patreon.com forward slash the Rugby Pod. Rugby Pod. Pod, pod, pod. Ha, 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 ha,